from a client's perspective, they are comparing you as a therapist to somebody else in your area or somebody else on psychology today. If you don't stand out, then it might be a great fit for you that that client that's looking for your services, but they might just not notice you. A brand gives you an opportunity to stand out. Welcome to the Money Skills for Therapists podcast, where we answer this question. How can therapists and health practitioners go from money shame and confusion to feeling calm and confident about their finances and get money really working for them in both their private practice and their lives? I'm your host, Lindsay Bonham, therapist turned money coach and creator of the course Money Skills for Therapists. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today's guest is Avivit Fisher. She is the owner of Red Strategy, which is a marketing consultancy uh, for therapy business owners. So she is a marketer by training, lots of corporate experience, and she has turned her skill set to therapists to help therapists in private practice attract their ideal clients through branding, digital marketing, and advertising. So today, Avivit and I get into the importance and the value of having a clear brand for your practice. So if you're listening right now and you're thinking, I don't know if I have that, keep listening because we get into kind of what makes up a brand. And also something that I, I really noticed in my conversation with her is it made me feel like, right, it is easy to create a brand. I don't want to give too much away. So keep listening. Um, if that's something you feel like you really need. We also talk about the connections between branding and marketing and your ability to basically have control over your practice finances, be able to set your fee, be able to protect yourself from burnout, the connection of that branding to that. And then finally, we talked about the value of thinking big, which is a bit of a passion topic of mine right now in terms of, you know, thinking big financially in your practice. And Avi V talks about the importance of thinking big in terms of marketing um, beyond your own private practice to really understand what's happening in the therapist industry as a whole. Lots of great tidbits today in our conversation. Here is my conversation with Avivit Fisher. So Avivit, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm very excited for our conversation. Yeah, me too. So the work that you do, we were just saying we basically share the same audience. We're helping the same folks, but we're helping them with different things. So your passion area is around branding and marketing. Right. Yes. So I'm curious, just to get started, what do you see as the value of, of creating a strong brand as a therapist? Why is it worth it to do that work? Creating a strong brand, really, I, I want to start with what is a brand, really, because I think for a lot of people, especially uh, in therapy, it's, it's such a vague concept. Mm. A brand is really a perception of your services, is a perception of you as a professional and of your business, of your private practice. So the value of creating a brand is that you know exactly what you represent, you know exactly who you're speaking to, and you know exactly what you're saying to that to that audience that you're speaking to. Because, you know, if you don't create this brand, if you're not in control of that, if you're not sort of set up the whole definition of the brand, 
then you leave it for interpretation. And when you leave it for interpretation, everybody can interpret it in a different way, right? And it's not always a positive interpretation. People come, especially into mental health um, industry, people come with their own preconceived notions, with their own sort of judgment. They they might judge you just on something that you they randomly read about you or your picture or anything that that is unintentional, right? Mm, so right. a brand just helps you become much more intentional about marketing. I think that's such a good point because I've I've noticed for myself even sometimes when I'm looking for a therapist, it's like you really are, you're kind of on alert, right? Like you're really trying to filter and like grab all the information you can to figure out if this is the right person for you. And as you say, like if if that person hasn't really set like a strong narrative, if they haven't really thought through all the pieces they're putting out there, I think in that that vulnerability, sometimes clients, or I think you have my own experience of of coming to somebody as a potential client, you know, we really notice the things that might seem a little bit off, or we might misinterpret something that's kind of like vague or unclear because we're really trying to figure out is this person the right fit for me? Right, and and I think the a fit is more important than anything. The right fit is more important than anything for a client when they're choosing a therapist, right? Sometimes the urgency is very high and they're looking for somebody immediately, but a lot of times it's like a longer decision-making process. Sure, yeah. So they will compare different therapists, they will compare fees, but but more, most importantly, they will compare if this person will understand them. Mm-hmm. Right, so they're looking for those clues that you're going to understand Exactly. Them. Right, exactly. Right. When somebody does do the work to kind of create a, I want to say cohesive brand, I don't know if that's language that you would use, but, you know, a brand where they really thought through all these pieces they've put together, what is the benefit to to a therapist for having done that work? First of all, it's a vision of where your practice is going to go. Mm. Second of all, you will really be able to see how you can stand out from other therapists. And I know the therapists a lot of times don't like to think about other providers as their competition because there's a lot of referrals between therapists. But from a client's perspective, they are comparing you as a therapist to somebody else in your area or Mm -hmm. somebody else on psychology today. And if you don't stand out, then this the, the, it might be a great fit for you that that client that's looking for your services, but they might just not notice you. Right. A brand gives you an opportunity to stand out, and also it gives you an opportunity to create a strong marketing message, right? Because a lot of times people don't really know how to market themselves, how to promote themselves, and mm-hmm. they're sort of are saying, "Well, I'm a therapist. I work with anxiety. I work with depression. I work with you know." But these are two general of messages for a therapist in private practice. Right, right. And so, you know, if somebody's listening and they're thinking, that's what my website says. <laughs> I say I work with depression. I work with anxiety. What is what is it that kind of moves it more into branding territory that, you know, the kind of work that you do that, that makes the difference to help people identify if you're really for them? So uh, it's interesting because you do work with anxiety and depression, but you really work with people. Mm. And the branding part really identifies, helps you identify your ideal client. So mm-hmm. let's let's take um, anxiety as an example. Anxiety for a new mom is very, very different mm-hmm. than anxiety for a teenage boy, mm-hmm. let's say, mm-hmm. right? They're both anxiety. But if you decide that you work with teenagers, and let's say with teenage boys as an example, and this is your ideal client, 
And um, well, in, in case of teenagers, you, you need to market to their parents. So you need to talk to the issues that uh, cause the teenager anxiety. And you need to talk to, for example, for the, to the, towards the parents and talk about their pain points. Mm-hmm. Yes. So a brand really helps you identify the, the audience that you want to talk to and also present the values that you uh, embody as a mm-hmm. therapist. Right, right. And when somebody does do this work and they have attracted the right, the right, or they're attracting more of the right people, right? Like that, that potential therapist who's like looking through five or six profiles and websites ends up choosing them because they've really like honed their voice and are attracting mm-hmm. the right person. What are the impacts in their practice when they, you know, have that strong brand? Well, interestingly enough, there are like four main reasons why uh, private practices fail, according mm. to my research and yeah, what yeah. I've seen. First is the lack of preparation, financial preparation, which you probably know a lot about, right? Yeah. Second is the not being able to provide a good um, experience for a client. You know, third is not knowing how to stand out. And the fourth is burnout, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So. We can address burnout by just reducing the amount of work that we're doing every week, but we can also address burnout by increasing work satisfaction, by working with the right type of client. Right, yes. So a lot of times people burn out because they dread their upcoming sessions Mm -hmm. because they Mm -hmm. are not enjoying that because Mm -hmm. this is not... And if you notice, like, like if there are some sessions that you look forward to, that you enjoy, that you, Mm -hmm. you... you know, and you could do them all day long, like right. If if that feeling persists in you when you're excited about um, seeing a client, you can you can probably burn out much slower than mm-hmm. even if you overload it with work. Then right, if right. you're disgruntled and unhappy, yeah, because so. it's not just the quantity of the work; it's the quality of the work. Like if you're enjoying the work and if it's giving you spark, then you're going to be in a much better headspace and emotional place. Then, exactly. Yeah, yeah, dreading. Like, and it makes me think about times where I've had clients in my caseload who are like not a fit, or they're they're you know exhibiting certain behaviors that are just not really in my realm of what I'm good at managing or responding to. Or there's a lot of counter transference from them, or or, or counter transference from me, transference from them. Like, you know, where those are just those more difficult clients. And I've noticed for myself that even one client like that in a day can really completely change the experience of the day. Like just the impact that working with the wrong people can have can be pretty huge emotionally and energetically. Of course. Yeah. And and it's not only for therapists, obviously it's for, for all other service businesses as well, mm. but for therapists is so, it's so important because, because of this emotional connection that you have with the clients, it's such a, it's such an intimate space. So intimate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you know, when when therapists have done this work, then um, what do you notice is the financial impacts of of creating a good brand, a strong brand? Well, first of all, they they become much more confident and comfortable about their business goals. I would mm. say, like my clients, so um, they become more confident about their fees mm-hmm. uh, because there's all this work that's done that is confirming the value that you bring to the to that specific audience right so a lot of discomfort and a lot of self doubt comes because the value is not defined and people pay for value people pay for the potential outcomes that they can receive right right so when the value is clear to you like if you're seeing yourself doing amazing work with the people you love to work with and you're like literally changing their lives that's going to give you more confidence in charging the fee that you determine you need to charge 
Exactly. Yeah. 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 That makes so much sense to me. And, you know, something I think about, and I don't know if it's something you talk about with your clients too, but just the value of therapy when you do have the right, when you're working with the right people, you know, and you're, you're just changing their lives in these profound ways that ripples out into everybody around them. Like when you really connect with that work that you do with like your best people, it is immensely valuable, right? Like, you know, literally changing the way that somebody can like have relationships or parent their children or experience themselves on a daily basis. Like that work is so, so valuable. And so it it makes me think back to what we were just talking about of like, when you are working with those right people and you're seeing those results, the value is so obvious. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you don't have to, a lot of the work that I do with my clients is basically looking at their sessions. It's basically recalling what people are saying to them Mm. and systemizing those responses and and really showing, okay, oh, that this is means, and there's such overlaps with, especially with clients that they enjoy working with, there's such overlap in, in reaction of those clients to therapy that when you start sort of noticing that, when you start seeing that the value comes through, right? So yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, marketing and, you know, finances, which is my little, my little uh, corner of uh, the work that there is to be done with therapists, I think has something big in common. And that is that we're just not taught about it. And I was curious about your thoughts about that, like just the lack of education that we get on these things before we end up in private practice. And we're like, oh no, I need to learn everything. What have you noticed about that? Or what are your thoughts about that lack of education that we get? I think it's unfortunate because a lot of therapists go into private practice. You know, mm-hmm. that's like um, I think statistically more than half of graduating psychologists work in private practice. Maybe not necessarily own it, but they work mm-hmm. in it. And to expect a person who's never had any formal education about business and marketing, even very very basic, to yeah. thrive to create create a thriving practice is not very realistic. You either have to have this natural sensibility towards business mm-hmm. or what happens is you rely um, on, you know, more seasoned therapists experience mm-hmm. and they sort of guide you. And it's not always a positive experience, mm-hmm. and it's not always very uplifting or you kind of go through trial and error, mm-hmm. right? So you try this, doesn't work. You try this, doesn't work. And then you get discouraged and say, fine, whatever. I'm going to go on the insurance panels and just yes. bring me whatever, whoever comes in my door, right? Yes. You probably know that from your Oh, work. yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where the the fear defaults us, right? Of just like, okay, how can I get clients? And I don't care who they are and I don't care what I get paid. I just need to get clients. And then you end up in, now you've like built a business that doesn't serve you uh, emotionally or financially, depending on, you know, just how desperate you've been. And now business is going to seem terrible and hard. Like private practice is going to be now a negative experience because you didn't have that guidance to actually set it up to serve you. And I, I think what you're saying about, mentorship from older therapists is is so true too because just because somebody's been around a long time doesn't mean that they've actually figured a certain thing out or it doesn't mean you actually want their practice or their life but naturally we're going to look to kind of our more established peers when we're trying to figure out how to do things yeah that's right and i think another piece of that that we were talking about a little bit off mic before we started recording is when we think about building our private practices and the financial part of it and like setting a fee and how many people are going to see mm-hmm. we all have very different financial needs Right. So if I think about some of like the older therapists that I looked up to when I was first in private practice and like just felt so green and like I needed to learn everything from everybody. I remember I saw one supervisor who her fee was $100 an hour. 
And I was charging 110 an hour. And I had been in practice for like not even a year. And she'd been in practice for 20 years and was like kind of an expert in my area on like working with kids, EMDR with kids. Like she had written books, she had made products. And I remember feeling so uncomfortable with my fee being higher than hers that I asked her if I could pay her my fee instead. And like that, that was maybe a bit of a boundary overstep on my part, but I was just like, it was so uncomfortable to me that I was paying this person for her expertise less than I was getting paid myself. But now that I'm looking at it with a little bit more perspective too, I realize probably she was in a very different financial situation than I was. Maybe, hopefully uh, she wasn't just stuck at a hundred, but you know, she was older. She was like more getting towards retirement. I'm sure mm-hmm. she had a, a partner who had like an established professional career. So her financial needs were different than mine. But it can be hard sometimes to make those decisions for yourself when the people around you are, you know, setting their own fees for their own reasons, or they're even modeling to you ideas of like when you deserve to charge a certain fee or what your business should look like. Sure. And this is, I think, a prevalent prevalent problem for a lot of therapists. First of all, they're afraid to raise their fees out of fear, right? So raising fees is, is difficult. But also, when you initially start a private practice, it's really helpful to go through exercises. You probably teach it in your courses, how to set up the right fees. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I'll give you an example. I recently worked with a therapist. She's um, in Florida and she had a a very specific niche and she decided to charge a certain fee. She's a psychologist and she felt very comfortable about her fee. And then she launched a practice. And after we worked together, she emailed me and she said, well, I would like to charge this fee, but I noticed that there's a competitor of my sort of, you know, another, another psychologist within my area that charges a little bit less. And she Mm -hmm. has like 10 years over me of experience and everything. And this psychologist, and we started talking about like, how will clients perceive that? Mm -hmm. And when we started talking about it, you know, I realized that, you know, it's not a matter of experience because experience you, it takes time to build experience. So you can't wait 10 years start charging more, right? Mm -hmm. It's not realistic. Mm -hmm. It's more the matter of awareness about her practice, Mm -hmm. brand awareness, right? Mm -hmm. So not enough people know. So it's it's, it's a very easy thing to fix. It's easier to invest in advertising, Mm -hmm. promoting promoting your practice to the the people that you're trying to reach and charge your fee Mm -hmm. and lower your fee and wait until you gain sort of more experience. I mean, in terms of expertise, they were probably pretty compatible, I would say, but more experience and more build a name for yourself more mm-hmm. organically, right? So right. yeah, I would say marketing can help you in reaching that goal to charge the fee that you actually want, that supports your lifestyle, that sustains your business, right? right? Yeah. And, and therapists, they have huge business uh, student loans yeah um, do. yes you know and it's not unreasonable you go through all this all these years of education that other people haven't gone through there's no shame in charging what you deserve mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. it's really a matter of exposing yourself more yeah well and something i was just thinking about as you were talking about you know that that therapist you worked with and like identifying the value of a brand is something that i think that a good brand can also do is you are educating and helping people before they even see you, right? Like you're you're writing your website in such a way or you're creating content on social media if that's part of your branding strategy that helps them to understand like, oh, all these disparate things that I'm experiencing that seem so awful and random are all like kind of the same problem, right? And like it connects to these things. Like I think about how 
even that you're giving your potential clients value and your clients value before they even start working with you. Cause it's almost like you're setting the frame in advance before they even sit down with you that first time and just how valuable that is. Because some of those people without that like clarity or that in a way, it's almost like education, depending on you know the content you're producing upfront, will actually never get to therapy because they're never going to think that somebody understands them, or they're never going to realize that all these, these issues are actually kind of the same issue, or that they're normal or common. I'm just thinking about the, the value to people mm-hmm. of that branding content upfront before they even meet you. Yeah, it's it's very important. Uh, funny that you should say you should mention people that might never go to therapy because mm-hmm. they don't feel that they would be understood. There is a book that I read recent, recently about this a very successful entrepreneur. I think it's called How to Get Rich and Die Trying. And so basically, it's his yeah, it's his journey. He was very young and he became a successful entrepreneur and CEO, and how it really screwed up with his uh, mm-hmm. mental health. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the book, he says. The problem, I never reached out to a therapist because I was in such a unique position that I never thought that I would be understood. There's nobody would ever understand my situation. Obviously, he's not an only person that has ever become a successful entrepreneur. Yes. And probably there are therapists that could specialize or already do specialize Absolutely. in working with the successful, uh, successful entrepreneurs, CEOs, and more successful people in general, uh, financially that are experiencing the type of pressures and uh, have anxiety and depression mm-hmm. because of those pressures that other people will do not right so yeah if you position yourself as a your, your brand as an expert sure. in those issues yes you can attract those people because you will speak to them directly to their pain yeah precisely and i have seen actually a bit of a rise in that in more recent years and and maybe it's not new maybe i'm just noticing it but people who do more like executive coaching, like they kind of like frame it around those kinds of folks. And I remember once thinking for myself, oh, do I need an executive coach? And then I looked and it was like $400 an hour. And I thought, no, that's not for me. We're talking like that's for surgeons, pilots, you know, successful politicians. But yeah, that is a niche too, right? Like there's so many niches that I'm thinking, you know, if if the the man who had bought that book, if he had happened upon somebody who actually was naming his pain points and talking about how you think nobody will understand you, you've had these massive successes and yet da-da-da-da-da how much more likely he would be to actually try therapy and and not suffer immensely because somebody could actually identify that they do understand what he's going through and they could help him. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the demand right now for therapy is so high. Oh, gosh, like, yes. There's, yes. you know, we all know that. And there's no reason for a therapist to fail in private practice. From mm-hmm. my perspective, like if they're really like, set to succeed and and have all the skills and, mm. and the knowledge that they need right mm-hmm. there's no reason for that to happen and there's no reason to not try to attract only your ideal clients only the mm-hmm. clients that you enjoy working with because there's enough of them you mm-hmm. just need to who they are all right yes so something that we were chatting about a little bit too before we started recording that is a i think a shared passion point of ours from different angles is the importance of of thinking big. And I was wondering if you could speak a bit to that, you know, in in all we're talking about here, the value of therapists thinking big about what they're doing. Right. And I think that's what's a little bit lacking and I'm trying to sort of uh, address this issue by the, I created a weekly newsletter that talks about mental health industry, business trends and ties it all into marketing to just show therapists the opportunities, business opportunities out there. 
possible threats. Yes. And these all thing, all of this, you know, skill of thinking big is being taught in business school. Mm-hmm. Right. We we go through through an exercise that's called a SWOT analysis, mm-hmm. where yes. strength, weaknesses, threats, and opportunities. And that opens your mind to what is possible for you besides mm-hmm. You know, okay, I have to get this amount of cli- this amount of clients to yes. my to my practice. You know, it also shows the you know possibilities. When the pandemic just hit, I remember I, I thought, oh my god, therapists are going to be so overworked. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, that happened right mm-hmm. away, like yes. within months, right when people started seeing that. You know, it, it's just a matter of recognizing those opportunities. People who understood that, people who saw that, were be, were able to prepare themselves mm-hmm. better. Yes, if it was working, preparing uh, their telehealth services better, yes. having certain fees and stuff like that. People who did not prepare themselves well were overwhelmed, overworked, and mm-hmm. suffering because of that. You know. Yeah, and I love that zoom out to think about the work we're doing in terms of an industry because I think something about private practice is that it can be so isolating. You know, it's like your own you're in your own little room or like you're on your own little Zoom screen depending how you work. And it can feel so insular, right? Like we're just having these little intimate conversations like they're not little. I, I don't mean to be little them, but like mm-hmm. these like bite-sized like an hour at a time we're having these like depthful conversations with people and then at the end of the day we kind of like close down the computer and it can kind of feel like you're the only one in the world doing this work. Of course, that's not true, but there is something very isolating and insular, especially when you're in solo practice about the work that we do. And and even what you're saying, I think is just a great reminder that like, we are part of an industry. We don't think about our industry the same way that like, I don't know, the aviation industry thinks about what they do, but we are part of like larger trends. And you can actually be looking at and thinking about those larger trends and larger things that are happening in the world and how those impact like therapy, not just your own relationship you know, with your 30 clients on your caseload. Yeah, absolutely. And there are trends that are happening in the tech industry that are related to mental health where mm-hmm. there's a lot of, you know, suspicion about that um, in the mm-hmm. mental health community, obviously. Mm-hmm. But those trends are not going anywhere. So we mm-hmm. figure out how to live with them and how to operate our the businesses within them, right? And so it's important to see that. It's important to realize where how you fit into the bigger into the bigger picture yes i love that i love that and and i'm thinking too about how that bigger picture connects to the bigger picture that i love which is zooming out on your practice finances and actually understanding what's happening in your business from like a one month three month six month 12 month perspective because i think we can also get really in the weeds of like what happened this week or what happened today Mm -hmm. is telling me what's happening in my practice and really, yeah. the real information is bigger than that. But I'm thinking about how also this marketing piece that you're talking about, this branding, hooks into that. Because if you zoom out on your practice and you realize like, oh, I'm not where I want to be. These aren't the numbers I want to be seeing. I'm not getting paid enough. Then your marketing and branding is often going to be like a key component of being able to change that. Yes, exactly. And really, it's a it's an investment in your business. Yeah, I look at it as... A similar investment as as you have invested in your education. Mm. I mean, unfortunately, the education is built like the, in such a way that it doesn't offer those skills throughout. As we we talked about it, right? Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you don't need them. You do need them. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a continuing education kind of piece to it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Abhijit, for coming on the podcast and talking about this today. I'm wondering if folks want to find you and follow you, where is the best place for them to do that? Sure. So I use two social media platforms Mm -hmm. um, on Instagram. You can find me there. I post a lot of 
bite-sized marketing education posts. So you can learn about marketing a lot just by following me. And I'm also on LinkedIn when I have more kind of in-depth conversations about the industry and about business in general. Mm-hmm. And you can find me on my website. It's redstrategy.com, red with two Ds. Mm-hmm. And you can also subscribe to my a newsletter. It's mm-hmm. free and it comes out weekly and it gives you a lot of information about the mental health industry, the business trends, and also a lot of marketing advice. Mm-hmm. So, it sounds like a great uh, big picture snapshot that you're sending out every week of what's happening kind of beyond us looking at the industry. Yeah. And it's also fun to read. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> great. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. In my conversation with Abby V, something that occurred to me, which, you know, when you have an aha, it's like something you know, but it clicks in at a deeper level is, you know, in marketing, what we're doing is we're just putting across the work that we're already doing with people. So she talked about that example of going through your client's notes, thinking of the things that what are the things that your clients say to you again and again, and you are already doing this work with your clients, or if you're just starting a private practice, you already know the clients that you love to work with, you know, in your previous setting or your passion topic. And part of branding is just pulling those things together and putting them out there front and center for those other ideal clients to find you and read your website and think, oh my gosh, they're inside my head. I need to work with this person. Um, So really it's just putting together the amazing work that you're already doing and putting it out there in a way that potential clients can understand. And I loved Avi Veet's point as well about how attracting the right people is going to be a protector against burnout because you're working with the people you love. I think we all know what it feels like to work with somebody who's not a fit, where you don't feel effective, where they're just not somebody that you're vibing with. You don't really seem to get each other. It doesn't feel good. And that can really undermine our confidence. And if you're struggling with your fee, that can also make you question, you know, the value of the work that you're doing. Whereas stacking your caseload with people who are your ideal client, who you love to serve, who sessions feel like magic is really, really, really going to create a different experience of yourself. And it is so valuable to do that. Avi Veet has shared a promotion. Um, So if you were enjoying what you were learning from her today, she um, has a marketing foundation workshop and Listeners of this podcast episode can get 50% off that workshop by using code Lindsay50. So if you're curious about uh, what Avi Veed has to teach, if you want to get a taste of what it's like to work with her, check out that workshop on her website, Marketing Foundation Workshop, and you can use the code Lindsay50 to save 50%. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can also check us out on Instagram. We share free money uh, mindset, emotional, practical content on there all the time. You can follow us at Money Nuts and Bolts. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people to find us and uh, help those other therapists who want to be part of these conversations to be able to find the podcast and benefit from all the things we're talking about here. Thanks for listening today. <laughs> <laughs>